How many love the Word of God? If, if you got your Bibles, why don't you go to Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're starting a series called Miracle in Motion. Miracle in Motion. So it's going to be our Christmas series leading up to our Christmas Eve services, uh, but we're going to talk about the geographical places found in the Christmas story that lead to the Messiah, Jesus, being born and living and dying for our sins and, and that process, and every place is important. I don't know if you know this about your own life, but every place in your own life along your journey is important. And I want to talk to you about how a miracle transpires, how a miracle comes to pass. I would like it if miracles were instantaneous. Wouldn't you like that? I mean, just like, man, you pray, it happens. Done deal. It's over. But for most of us, a miracle is a process. And so I want to pull you into this process, Luke chapter 1. Verse 26 says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. That's a good greeting. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now listen to this. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That sounds like a pretty good greeting to me. But I'm going to tell you what's happening is there is a disconnect in Mary between what God sees in her and what she sees in her. Which I think is true of most of us is that if God were to look at us, he would see something entirely different than we would say is in us. When God says, you're a man of God, we would think of all the th reasons that we're not. But God knows what he put in us. We would think of what we did last weekend and think, oh man, maybe we're not. But God knows what he put in you. And so he calls you according to your potential, not according to your past. And so he says to her, you are highly favored, and the Lord is with you. She said, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Ever ask that question? God says, I'm going to do something amazing. Awesome. How will this be? And she says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. I know you're super spiritual and you've read this a lot for the Christmas story, but she's asking, how will I become pregnant? He says, don't worry about it. The Holy Ghost has got it. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And this is where we're going to wrap this up. For no word from God will ever fail. I was just saying that a couple of times. No word from God will ever fail. Why don't you say it? No word from God will ever fail. You should just write that on your mirror. You should put it on the background of your phone because that is a good reminder because we know it in theory, but we doubt it in practice. God, you will never fail. And we say it and we sing it. But like we've talked about for months, the difficulty of the Christian life is not to believe the things God says. The difficulty of the Christian life is to bring that truth into my reality. 
I know God, you never fail. You can do all things. But, but what happens when I'm going through a difficulty where I need that power right now? And I'd like to propose to you that it could be that God is using a miracle in process or a miracle in motion. Christmas is coming soon. People are doing Christmas shopping. I got two boys, six and four, and uh, they're incredible. I love them. I love to get them presents. Here's the problem with presents. Some of you parents will relate with this, is that most presents require a process of assembly. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you got this great idea, man. I'm going to buy, like, the biggest pack of Legos that I've ever seen. Like, we're going to buy it. We're going to build a castle. And then you buy it, and you, they open it. And they're like, yes, a castle. Dad, can you build it? And you're like, yeah. And you start building, and they last five minutes. And then they leave, and they open the rest of their presents, and you're still building. And then they open all their presents, and you're still building. And then they eat dinner and go to bed, and you're still building. And then at 1 a.m., you're still building. And then at 2 a.m., you finish, and no one's there to congratulate you or celebrate you, and you're just there with your toy castle. That's parenthood. <laughs> it's just what it is. And so I, I was thinking about something this year, and I think I have like, kind of like a Christmas shopping hack that I'm going to use. I'm going to implement. I am looking for three well, maybe four words, depends how it's phrased. But I'm looking for this, I'm looking for this on every toy that I buy. No, oh yeah, assembly required. That's it right there. All you parents, you're welcome. No assembly required. That's what I'm looking for. Honestly, if I'm being totally honest with you, that's what I'm looking for in life. Like, why can't you find a miracle with no assembly Required. I'd like to have a breakthrough with no assembly required. I'd like to get healed with no assembly required. But it seems to me that God always works in process. That there's always something that God's doing, and we don't always, we aren't always privy to it. And so He's working and He's moving, and sometimes you see Him and sometimes you're not, and sometimes it looks like things are going backwards. But in the midst of it, we trust his word that God is working on our behalf. You ever bought Legos for your kids? You know Legos. I love Legos. I like building Legos. And the Lego packet that I'm just talking about, the castle, it comes in all kinds of different packages. And honestly, on like step 13, it looks nothing like the finished product. And you're starting to think like, wait, did I? Like, and you got no one to help you because they all went to bed. And so like you go back a couple steps and you're looking at it like, that doesn't look like... How? But if you trust what's in the bag, and you trust the instructions, when you're done, it's going to look like the product. But for many of us in the, in the process of life, when we need a miracle, when we really need a miracle, our process doesn't resemble the picture. And so we bail on the process. We think that God didn't give us the right parts. God didn't give us the right partner. God didn't give us the right people. God didn't give us the right pieces. God didn't give us the right resources. And so we bail on the process when God is trying to teach us through the motion or through the process that he's in control, he's working on our behalf, and he's going to bring about a good outcome. Some miracles are not immediate, but just because you don't see it immediately doesn't mean it's not in motion. Doesn't mean it's not in Motion. Verse 26 says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was not like a popular destination. Nobody was spending the weekend in Nazareth. 
You didn't actually, like, you didn't even drive through Nazareth and be like, this is a nice place. We should stay here. You would have to know you're going to Nazareth to get there. You know, some of you came from some of those places. Like, your hometown is like, no one, no one visits. No one comes. You got to know where it is. You got to know the third pothole that you hit. You take a left, past the second barn, and that's it. Because it doesn't even show up on Google Maps. You know, it's just out. Nazareth was, it was looked down on. Honestly, if you came from Nazareth, you were looked down on. It was just not a great place to come from. And so when God sends Gabriel to Nazareth, to Mary, I think this is really interesting because Gabriel was not just like looking for anyone who was available. He was not just out there saying, I'm going to stop at the first city. God said, I want you to go to Nazareth. In Nazareth is a woman. Her name is Mary. She is going to carry Jesus. Very specific. Very specific instructions. So he went to an in, ex, insignificant place to an insignificant person to do a really significant thing. That sounds like God. That, that God would use an insignificant person in an insignificant place to do the most significant thing in history that has ever happened. I think this is encouraging for me and for you because it doesn't matter where I come from or it doesn't matter where I live or what kind of giftings I have or lack of giftings I have. God's looking for me and sees me whether I see myself or not or believe in myself or not. God knows what he put in me. And I can trust that he's going to see me in the process. God knows where, when and where to find you. He, he, hadn't, he hadn't lost track of you. You might feel unseen, but it doesn't mean you're unseen. God knows when and where to find you. Psalm 139, one of my favorite scriptures, verse 7. I was joking with Prosper. I was just, we just came from the Prosper campus that I say this about every scripture. This, this is one of my favorites. But this one, like, this, this it really is, okay? 139.7. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens... You are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. Ooh, that's good. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Where can I go from your presence? God hasn't lost track of you. Where can I run from your presence? I can't run. Even in my darkness, you're there. Even in Nazareth. You, some of you might feel like you came from Nazareth. Or you have giftings like Nazareth. Or you feel looked at. I'm going to tell you this. God's not looking at any of that. He's going to use your insignificance to be a testimony for the goodness and the greatness of God because he is not threatened or intimidated by past failures, things that disqualify you, things or places that you came from, and he'll use an insignificant person to do significant things. I think that there's a couple elements or ingredients of a miracle that, that you just you have to have. If you're going to have a miracle in motion, you have to have these. And the first one is not popular at all, but it's really true. It's mess. If, if you want a miracle, see, some people's like, man, I just want to be, I want to see God do miracles. Then you're going to have to have some messes. Why, why do you need a miracle if you don't have a mess? If there is not a problem, you do not need God to come through for you. If you don't have a struggle, you don't need a breakthrough. If you don't have a sickness, you don't need a healing. If, if you don't have any issues, you don't need a miracle. But for many of us, we are very well aware of our needs, 
And we're very, very well aware of the messes in our life. But God uses the messes of today. God uses the messes that we're going through right now for his glory tomorrow. Or you could say it this way. God will use the difficulties of today to fuel the miracle of tomorrow. See, not, not, nothing's wasted in the kingdom of God. I wish you could erase that season of your life. I got seasons I wish I could erase. But God's used every season and he's redeemed every season for me or for my future. It sounds like a scripture that God will use everything that the enemy meant for evil and he will work it for my good. I wish it wasn't there, but it's there, so we might as well use it. And since it's, God's going to use it, God's going to redeem it. God's going to flip it for my good. He's going to use it for my God, for, for my good. John chapter 1, it's interesting. Jesus is, it's, the word's getting out that he's from Nazareth. Not a popular place to be, like we talked about. It means branch, or it means shoot, which if you know ancient prophecy, they prophesied that there would be a Messiah that would be the shoot or the branch of Jesse. It's interesting that the place he was born means shoot. It means branch. So he's born in this place, but the word's getting out that Jesus, who's doing miracles, is from this place. And so this scripture, John chapter 1, verse 46, he says, can anything good, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? They begin to doubt him because of where he came from. They begin to doubt him because of the location geographically that he came from. And I'll tell you this, people always doubt people in process. Because in process, you can't see the final product. So we don't know what's really happened in your life. All we see is mess. And people can't trust you in the mess. Because they can't see the finished product. So that's why some of us, we bail on the process because people don't understand the process that we're in. But I want you to know that God will use that mess and he will use that place that you've been in or that you've come from for, your, for his glory. God does extraordinary things with ordinary people. God does extraordinary things with ordinary people. If you're going to have a miracle, you got to have a mess. But, now this is another way God works. If you're going to have a miracle, then you have, this is, this is a difficult one, you have, to, you have to surrender to his methods. Methods. I don't know if you know this or not, but God's ways are different than ours. Like, I have some good ideas about how we could solve some problems in the world. And I'm a, I'm a fixer. I, like, I have solutions like for anything. Like you give me a problem, I'm going to give you about 13 solutions. And I feel like sometimes I could give those to God. You know, like, God, if you could just take that person out of the world, like, we'd all be good. You know, it's like, this is so easy. What are you doing up there? Like, if we just, like, you know, it's like it doesn't take much. You're all powerful. You know, like, just get rid of them. Like, we'll be all right. But it, but it seems like God works differently than I would work. Maybe it's good he's God. Because we'd have a low population. I was just like, let's just clear out the bad one. <laughs> he works differently than we do. And so if you're going to see a miracle, you have to trust his method. Now, once you go back to our text, because this is really interesting, because Mary has to trust God's method. This, 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 let me just show you, it's, it's difficult. In, in verse 34, after the angel tells her, you are going to get pregnant, not by, your in, not by your fiance. Mary's like, oh, my goodness. Right? She goes, how will this be? How's this going to happen? He's, the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. You know, you're going to be pregnant. It's going to be supernatural. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be awesome. Now, but I want you to look and think about this. 
she has to go have that conversation with Joseph. Can you, can you just like try to put yourself in that scenario, how that's going to go? They're planning their wedding, they're engaged, they're so happy, and Mary's like, hey, Joseph, when you get to a good spot, like, can we talk? I'm just going to, code in marriage for can we talk is, it's about to go down. Because you don't say, like, can we talk when you say, like, I just love you so much. I want to spend some time with you. You're amazing. You're killing. You don't say, can we talk. You just talk. When you say, can we talk, it's because there's something to talk about. So Mary, I mean, I don't know. She, Joe, Joe, can we talk? And he's like, oh, no. What? He's like, and he's going worst case scenario. And she, like, outdoes him. <laughs> right? Worst case, he's thinking, oh, man, like, oh, oh, she's, like, in massive debt. I'm not going to marry her, you know, with all this debt. And she's like, so I had a visitor. I haven't known him long. <laughs> really, I've only known him one night. It just was a night. But long story short, Joe, I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? Like, we had accountability. We had boundaries. We were waiting. True love waits. Who is he? She's like, it was the Holy Ghost. He's like, who's the Holy Ghost? Where's he at? What's his address? Because I'm going to go take care of some business right here. I'm going to show him how we do it in Nazareth. You call up the Holy Ghost. Tell him to come on down to Joe's house. We're going to take care of it old school. I mean, we get super spiritual. Have you ever thought about how? Now, this is, okay, now just, just stop for a second. This is what makes me frustrated. The angel came to Joseph, too. But not until after he came to Mary. That's not fair. Because Joe had to be like, yeah, yeah, cool. Like, well, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's the Holy Ghost. I'm sure. Like, why, why would I doubt that? Like, sure, people get pregnant by the Holy Ghost all the time. Like, cool. When's the wedding again? How big are you going to be on the wedding day? How do we tell people? Like, I mean, do you get a shirt? Like, not his, but like, no, but his? I mean, like. They had some serious complications to work out. If I was God, I would have been like, hey, Joe, here's, about, here's what's about to happen. Like, Mary's going to ask you to talk. This is what it's about. It's going to be a little rough, man, but just trust the process. It's a miracle in motion. Then Mary comes to him. He says, Joseph, you'll never believe what happened. He's like, mm-hmm. He's like, I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And he's like, uh-huh, that sounds about right. Because now everybody knows. Everybody, that's not how God works. Anybody been stuck in a process that God works differently than the way that you think that he should work? His ways are not our ways. And to reach your miracle, you're going to have to obey God. You're going to have to obey him in his method, in his mode of operation, in his steps of obedience, which sounds biblical. Commit your way to the Lord and he will direct your steps. I have to trust his steps. Sounds like building Legos. If I follow the right steps... If the product, if the process is right, the product is what we say all the time as a community. The product is guaranteed. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says this. It says, and we know, do you know this? That in all things, how many things? God works for the good. Good. Of those who, now this is good because I thought like those who don't come from Nazareth. Those who serve at the church, those who are leaders, those who've been saved all their lives, those who, no, just those who love him. That's the only condition. 
that I'm going to, God is going to start working for your good for those who love him and are called according to, to his purpose. How are you called? By saying yes to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, you're not called according to his purpose. Do you love him? You love him? Great. Now he's working on your behalf. That's why you can't see it right now. That's why you don't understand it right now because it is in motion. It is in motion. And the last one we'll close with this is might. If you're going to see a miracle, it has to be a mess. You have to give yourself to his methods. And because I needed another M, I said might. I would usually say power, but for all you OCD people, you're welcome. For everyone else, just ignore it. (laughs) Might. God has the power to do the thing that he said he would do. God has the strength to deliver on the promise that he's given. In fact, God doesn't promise something that he can't deliver on. God does not promise you something as an advertisement and then now once he got you to buy the product, bails on you. I was thinking about this. I was in Prosper. This just came to my mind. I wasn't planning on saying it. But I was leading a junior high camp years ago. And, um, and, and this is back. Some of you guys are going to remember this. Back when Axe was big. A-X-E. You know, like, like they had all, all the body spray, all the advertisements. And there was one commercial that was going on that was like, like junior high boys were loving this one. And, and it was, some of you probably remember it. Like this dude sprays Axe on himself. And over the hillside comes like hundreds of women that are just like gorgeous. And, 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 and they're like, they're passionate and they're after him. The guy just sprayed. So I walk into a junior high service and this junior high, before I saw him, I smelt him. Because he was all in on the advertisement that if he just sprayed enough that all the girls at youth camp can be like, God does not hook you with an advertisement that he doesn't deliver on. He's not trying to tease you. He's not trying to just jerk you along. God promises you what he will deliver on. But we have to trust that in this mess, God will turn it for our good. That in these methods, in these steps, he's going to bring us to the miracle. And we can trust he has the power to deliver on the thing that he said he would deliver on. Genesis 18 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, honestly, is anything too hard for the Lord? This is what we have to ask ourselves before we doubt, before we bail, before we get, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is bankruptcy too hard for the Lord? Is divorce too hard for the Lord? Is a sickness too hard for the, for real? Is it too hard for him? Like, is it too much? You think God, like, stressed out? Oh, another problem? Oh, my, no, I can't do one more. He's good. Is anything too hard for God? I'd like to propose this to you, that maybe the miracle that you've been looking to happen instantaneously, it's not that that miracle is non-existent, it's that that miracle is in motion. The Christmas story, if you take any piece in and of itself, it looks chaotic. If you take prophecies from hundreds of years before that says a Messiah would be born in the city, in the city of Bethlehem, but they would become from Nazareth. And, be born of a virgin. All of these things, is like, it looks confusing. It looks confusing when you're in it. But when we look in hindsight, we're like, look at the beautiful work of God 
that tied all of these things together. When it's untied, it feels chaotic. And that's where most of us are right now. The miracle is not tied together with a bow on top, totally complete. We're in process. And in process, I want to give you a couple things as we close. In process, you will feel ridiculous. A miracle in motion will feel ridiculous. Faith feels funny at times. It feels foolish at times. When we're purchasing this building for the Dream Center, I had already been told by this real estate agent, by other people that I had gotten contact with, like they're not taking offers, they're not interested, like this is not going to happen, and, and so don't even ask him. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, make an offer, and I'm like, ah, oh, that feels funny. That feels, I don't want to look like an idiot. That's how faith feels sometimes. Faith feels like, ah, I don't know, and you step feel ridiculous, it will require obedience. A miracle will always require obedience. And the crazy thing is, a miracle in motion is not a one-time obedience, it's also an obedience in motion. I obey today, and I obey tomorrow, and I obey the next day, and I obey when it looks like the finished product, and I obey when it doesn't look like the finished product, and I obey when I feel good, and I obey when I don't feel good, and I obey when I don't want to go to church, and I obey when I do want to go to church, I obey when I worship, and when I don't worship, I, I've get, if you want to see a miracle come to pass, you have to give yourself to obedience. It will test your faith. It'll test your faith, because when what you're hoping for doesn't happen, you start thinking like, well, maybe it wasn't meant to happen. You ever thought this? This is just my new normal. This is just how I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to end up. I would caution you to be careful at settling at places that are lower than the place that God paid with his life, that Jesus paid with his life for you to be able, your, your mental health, your happiness, your joy, your fulfillment, your peace, all of these things are things that we settle for less than, well, what if it's been 17 years? Okay. I feel bad that it's been that long. But the, the length of time didn't lessen God's power. We think that after it didn't happen a little while, because we don't know his methods, that we think like, well, it must not have been God's will. If God's word says it's his will, whether you wake, wait 17 minutes or 17 years, it's God's will. It'll test your faith, and it'll be a process. That's the last one. It'll be a process. That's, and I wish it wasn't a process. No assembly required. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Isn't part of the fun of Legos that you put them together? Why do I get so frustrated at all of the steps when the reason that we bought them was to actually put it together? Just thought of that right now. That's kind of odd. Like, why didn't you just build? Why didn't you just buy a castle? No, we built the we bought the pieces to a castle. Seems silly. God's working in the process. You know, you you become who you are in the process. You become better in the process. And I think David penned some of the most amazing words. And this really is one of my favorite scriptures. I'm about to give you. Like this one's like up there. He penned one of the, some of the most amazing words on a miracle in motion. This is what he says in Psalm 27. He says, I remain, that's that faith. 
That's that obedient. I remain confident. Are you confident of what God wants to give you? I remain confident of this. I will see. You will see your breakthrough. You will see your miracle. You will see fulfillment. The goodness of the Lord. When am I going to see it? When I get to heaven? No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. No. I'm seeing it now. I will see it in the land of the living. That's when I'm alive. I'm breathing oxygen right now. I'm standing on this earth. Right. I'm going to see the goodness of God. I'm confident. I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land that I'm living. And then he gives you the secret. He says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. And wait for the Lord. It's kind of annoying that he says wait twice, isn't it? It's almost like he's trying to make a point that a miracle is in motion. It's not Amazon Prime drone delivery to your doorstep. It's actually painstakingly UPS. Checking the status every day. Where? It is now in Nashville. It's now. I mean, where is it? It's in process. It's in process. It's in process. And I'm trying to encourage everybody that's watching and everybody that's here that you can remain confident of this, that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on, wait for the Lord. Come on, be strong. Come on, take heart. Wait for the Lord. Your miracle is on the Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.